Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I'm your host, Hanan Elbasha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough. I am worthy. I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our Uncharted Discussions of Empowered to Grow. I'm your host, Hannah Nobash. I'm still with the lovely, empowered, and very inspiring Michelle Seiler-Tucker. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being with me. Thank you for having me, Hannah. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure for me as well. Michelle is the CEO and founder of Seiler-Tucker Incorporated. She is an expert on uh, mergers and acquisitions, but more importantly, also on starting the business, scaling the business, to sell the business. And I wanted to touch, uh, we kind of touched based on the first part on, on that, but um, I wanted to kind of uh, pick your brain further there. Um, a lot of the women that I know and I speak to and I work with are kind of intimidated by the idea of starting the business. You know, the entrepreneurial overwhelm when it first comes and um, the conditioning that especially women are subjected to that you can't, you won't, you don't, you know, you don't know business, you don't know numbers, you can't do this, it's all about men. And that intimidates a lot of them, even high achieving women who are very successful in their corporate careers. But jumping ship to the other side is um, kind of intimidating. So what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, from your experience, how does it work? (laughs) Well, I mean, I've done it. You know, I I, um, even though I said I never wanted to have a job, I never wanted to have a job because I don't like to be told what to do. Yeah, I did go to work for a Fortune 500 company. Actually, they recruited me. <laughs> so Xerox, I'm sure you've heard of Xerox, yeah, of right? Course. Of course. So Xerox recruited me, and mm-hmm. um, they actually recruited me from the competitor, and they recruited me because they couldn't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, within six months, Xerox nicknamed me the closer. Every time somebody couldn't close a the deal, they said, "Well, get Michelle to do it. She's a closer." She can close anything. That's, and then my supervisor so came to me within six months and said, hey, there's a, a regional vice president position opening, um, overseeing 100 salespeople. Wow. And she says, I think you should throw your, your name in the hat and you should apply for it. She says, it's a three-month grueling process. She said, I just want you to know you won't get it, but you should do it anyway. And I'm like, why won't I get it? And she said, because Xerox has a two-year policy. You have to be there for two years before they promote you. And I'm like, well, then why would I waste three months of my time for something I'm never going to get? Yeah. And she said, because of the experience and everything you will learn through this process. So I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and so I'm going to hand through my name in the hat. And she's right. It was a three month grueling experience. I had the interview with high level executives all over uh, the United States. You know, we had to do Q and a presentations, demonstrations, Etc. I ended up getting it. Xerox ended up changing their policy for me, and Amazing. I did get it. And then I realized how much I I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I moved from sales, which sales to me, it's finding out what the customer's problems are, and coming up with solutions. Mm-hmm. And it's also building relationships that last a lifetime. That's what sales is to me. Yep. And so then they moved me to corporate America. You know, the vice president position, overseeing. 100 unruly um, salespeople. I felt like I was running a daycare. <laughs> but in corporate America, you have meetings to schedule meetings to schedule follow up meetings. And you're not meeting with clients. You're not even really meeting with your salespeople. 
And that part I didn't like. Mm -hmm. So plus I missed entrepreneurship. So I told my husband, I said, I'm going to keep my six figure position with great benefits. So don't worry, (laughs) but I want to buy a business because I need to feed my entrepreneurial spirit and I'm going to buy a business and operate that on the side. So we found a franchise that my husband knew the owner at a few locations. And I said, look, I'm going to buy a franchise from y'all, but I'm going to keep my position at Xerox. And they said, we don't want you to buy a franchise. We want you to partner with us. Nice. And we want you to help us grow and we'll give you a franchise, but you have to leave Xerox. I said, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm not going to leave my six figure position with a court with fortune 500 company, especially since I'm climbing that ladder so quickly Yeah. for a company that's not even successful. They're not successful. <laughs> I said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll try it out for six months and, you know, I'll go to trade shows, franchise shows, hold, host events, et cetera, evenings, weekends, and keep my daytime job. So they said, okay, six months, I tried this out. And within six months, I made more money than I made an entire year at Xerox. Wow. And I could see that I was going to sell hundreds of franchises. Mm-hmm. And um, I, after six months, I said, you know what? I'm going to leave Xerox. And everybody that knew me, except for my husband, are like, were you crazy? Yeah. yeah. Why would In you there. leave your six-figure <laughs> position? Why would you leave this great company? You know, you, you're making six figures. You're on the corporate ladder. You're climbing up very quickly. You got all these great benefits for a company that's not successful. And I said, I know they're not successful, but I am. (laughs) And I'm helping to make them successful. And you know what? All of you that are giving your opinions have really never done anything significant. So I'm not going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and left Xerox, became a partner um, with this franchisor, since and then after that i started you know my franchise development franchise consulting company and it was the best decision that i made but everybody was telling me i was crazy and that's what happens everybody wants to give you their opinion everybody wants to throw in their two cents yeah but what what have they done that's significant yeah you know and it's just an opinion so you can't you have to you have to be confident enough in yourself you have to have a powerful why. Yeah. Not and you got to have a plan. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's. And I was confident in myself. Yeah. I had a powerful why and I had a plan. So yeah. I always encourage entrepreneurs, men and women, yeah. um, to leave corporate America, but do it the right way, do it the smart way. Don't just jump off, don't just jump ship, jump off a cliff without a parachute, have a parachute. Yeah. I, um, speaking of the parachute, I was, um, when I talk to women who are still in the corporate career and they're still kind of thinking about it, I'm like, okay, like I hate my job, but I can't quit and I need the money and you know, everything that comes along with it. And I said, fine, why don't you look at your job as your investor? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you are investing. So it's kind of a mutual relationship. You're investing your time, your energy, and your knowledge into your job. And then at the end of the month, you get an investment from your job into your passion project, which you would like to start on the side. And you can work this alongside for some time until you have enough of a foundation. As you said, you're starting, you're you're figuring it out, you've got that foundation, and then you can say, okay, I'm ready to transition now. But rather than think that you're stuck at the job, think that how that job is mutually beneficial for you and for them. Uh, okay, I kind of like that. Maybe maybe I'm not going to hate going to <laughs> to the office here on Sunday or Monday or wherever you are in the world. I'm like, 
Yes. And as you said, it's because the vision sometimes is not clear, but more importantly, the why. Mm -hmm. And um, the why is not, you don't start a business to make money. <laughs> you start a business for a lot of other reasons. The money comes in later. And um, what's your view on that? Like, why is it that the why could be a lot more difficult to pinpoint? Well, let me give you a, a couple of stories. Oh, well, let me, I'll answer that a few ways. Yeah. Okay. First and foremost, I don't necessarily say that you should leave your job and start a business, mm -hmm. especially if you, if you have zero business experience. Yes, that's true. If you have zero business experience, if you don't really have something that's unique and a unique idea, you know, something that's going to solve problems, current problems that we're experiencing in the world, um, if you haven't really done your due diligence, if you don't have the core competencies or expertise, I don't think you should leave your job and start a business. That's not what I think you should do. What I think you should do, and I'll give you a case study to, to illustrate my point, is I think you should acquire a business, not start a business. Because starting a business takes a tremendous amount of time, yes. energy, capital, yes. uh, lots of capital. And it always takes more than you think it's going to take. <laughs> and a lot of times, those startups will fail. So existing businesses already have a proven track record. Mm -hmm. They're typically already making money. Mm -hmm. Most of them, are, you know, some of them are already function on what I call all six P's, all six cylinders that we talk about in my book, Exit Rich. Yes. So I think it's always better to acquire a business. And a lot of times you can acquire a business with little to no money down. Not mm -hmm. always, but I'll give you a case study. So I have a lady that, I, that called us up and this was a few years, several years ago, actually, several years ago. She called us up and she wanted to buy a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And she was talking to one of my agents and I just happened to overhear it. And my agent started talking to them about the restaurants and everything. And I said, put it on speakerphone. <laughs> <laughs> and I started listening and I go, why do you want a restaurant? She goes, I'm in banking. I've been in banking for 35 years. Mm -hmm. And she worked for big banks. She made about 130,000 a year. And I said, why do you want a restaurant? Do you have restaurant experience? She said, no. And I said, well, did you grow up in a restaurant industry? She said, no. I said, well, then why do you want a restaurant? She said, because it's easy. And I said, oh, lady, <laughs> you have no idea. It is not easy. Yeah. I said, that's the worst thing you should do. I said, tell me why you even want to leave corporate America because she was very close to retirement. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to leave? And why do you want to buy a business? What is your why? Yeah. And she said, and this, I'll never forget this story because she probably has one of the most powerful wives of anyone I've ever come into contact with. And I always ask all my, all my sellers and my buyers, what are your wives? Mm -hmm. And her why was, I've been working for corporate America for over 30 years. I have very little to show for it. I have about 350,000 saved. I will use 300,000 for a down payment, 50,000 I'll use for working capital. I'm kind of getting a story and then I'll get into the why. Mm -hmm. And she said, but my why is my husband contracted Agent Orange in the military. Mm -hmm. He has outlived every doctor's diagnosis. <laughs> he should be dead by now, but he's not. When he dies, all the benefits go away. She doesn't get any of those benefits anymore when he passes. Wow. So she said, I can't really afford my lifestyle and my daughter. You know, I can't really afford me and my daughter's lifestyle when he dies, because those benefits go away. And she said, and I have nothing to show for 30 years in corporate America. And I'm not, I don't have a legacy to leave behind for my daughter. Mm. 
Now that's a pretty powerful why, right? Sure. So she says, I have 300,000. I can put down. I want to save 50,000 for working capital. She said, I want to be able to make a little bit more than I'm making now and pay off the debt. And I said, how much do you want to make? And she said, like 150, 175. So I called a lot of my clients and they're like, no, I'm not going to take 300,000 down. No. <laughs> and then one client said, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'll take $300,000 down. And it is actually a flooring company. Mm-hmm. They own the real estate. And after, you know, when we figured out the financials, after she would pay the debt service, they were seller financing. She wasn't getting a bank loan. She was seller financing. And um, after she paid off the debt, she would make about 300000 a year. Double, over double what she's making now. Double what she put in. And she's like, I don't know anything about flooring industry. I said, well, you don't know anything about restaurants. restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not so much about the industry. It's about yeah. the lifestyle. It's going to help provide for you. And it's about the cash flow. So I put her, so I put, I got her into that business. And she's thanked me many times over. And now she's making like a half million dollars a year. Oh, bless her. And so that's why I say, you know, do your due diligence, do your homework, buy an existing business. There's so many existing businesses on the market for sale. Mm -hmm. You're not having to reinvent the wheel. You're not having to operate in the red. You know, you're not having to go, oh my gosh, where's all this going to come from? A lot of times you can find sellers that will do owner financing. A lot of times you can use the assets of the business. Uh, to leverage the, the, the buyout and, and use the assets of the business to come up with the down payment. Yeah. There's so many different ways uh, to acquire a business. So that is a much safer bet, bet a lot lower risk than starting than leaving corporate America and starting a business. Yeah. And you've, you've also got the intangible of, well, it's actually tangible, but you've already got a brand as well. And that brand has a list of customers or potential customers or anything so and these are also huge impediments when you're first starting because no one knows you well this someone well yeah (laughs) and those are the six p's that we talk about when we when we get into the infrastructure of how you should build a business yeah and what you should look for the synergies you should look for brandy's one of them the synergies you should look for when you go to acquire a business that's true wow i love that okay um I'd like to ask you one last question, and this might be completely unrelated, but as a woman in the industry of um, kind of cutthroat competition and male dominated, and um, really, I'm going to listen to you. You've, you've gone on over the past 30 years to show that you can more than do it. You're an expert in your field. You've, um, well, you've gained the expertise by doing it, by showing up, by being the expert, talking about it and everything. What would you tell someone who still doubts herself, still says, nah, but I was told I can't, I was told I shouldn't, I was told I won't. What, what is something that you really, other than finding the why and our due diligence, it's just about business, but also about as a woman, from the inside, from the mindset, from kind of the frame of mind? You know, I tell you, so there's so many naysayers out there. I was told so many different things like, oh, you'll never be successful. You can never survive in a men's world. Oh, you don't have what it takes. You, you're not investing. I mean, just the self-doubt, you know, just the, the negative talk from everybody else. Yeah. And then a lot of times you'll have, negative talk that creeps in into your own brain right Mm -hmm. 
And so I just tell women, you got to drown that out. You can't listen to it. And again, it's people who are telling you that they have really never done anything. They really have never done anything of significance. They're not successful themselves. They're probably very upset and disappointed in their own efforts and results Mm -hmm. and insecure. So therefore they're trying to tear you down. Yeah. You know, unhappy, miserable people trying to make other people unhappy and miserable. Yeah. And so you just got to believe in yourself. Even if you have all this negative talk, you know, people say fake it like you fake it till you make it, you know, act like you belong. I mean, like when I went on those interviews for Xerox, I remember going and um, buying a new suit. I remember buying a Montblanc pen because I thought, it, you know, just yeah. made me feel <laughs> yeah. like, you know, really executive corporate. Ex- I've got one yeah, of those. Yes, I got this. <laughs> and sometimes we have to do those little things. But at the end of the day, we have to say, I am enough. Yeah. I am talented. I do have the core competencies. I can do whatever I set my mind to. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can stop me from being that is me believing and buying your BS, <laughs> okay. buying what you're dishing out or buying into my negative thoughts. And this lady that I told you about that was in banking, yeah. her entire family, all of her friends, all of her banking colleagues told her she was freaking crazy. Who's the crazy one now? She's making over a half million dollars a year while our colleagues are still making 100, 150,000 a year. Who's the crazy one now? Sure. And you know what? The only way to deal with people like that is just be really successful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like all the naysayers that tell me, oh, you're crazy. You shouldn't use Xerox. I'm like, well, look at me now, you know? <laughs> You can't, you can't buy into the story. Like I said, on, on the last podcast, yeah. you're the, you're the director of your movie. You yeah. write the script. You're the star in your movie. You dictate, you dictate where you go from here. You dictate your future. You control your future. You don't let others control it for you. You got to stop listening to people who tell you, you can't, and you'll never be good enough. That's, that's it. And you know that's, what? They're telling you that, be, you know, a lot of people are saying that because that's what they were told. Yes, that's right. They're, they're self-projecting their own insecurities and limitations onto you. And uh, as you said, you get to be the director and you get to change the script. So change your script and create the life that you change want. Yeah. Yeah. It's like change your words, change your life. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm a believer in that. And I'm a believer that um, when we stop long enough to really look at ourselves, as you said, from outside the label, from outside the bottle, um, we really do see ourselves in a completely different light. We understand that the adversities we've overcome, the challenges we've overcome, the strength, the inner strength, the inherent strengths and core competencies that were within us have taken us so far and much farther than we would have thought for ourselves. So it's time to appreciate ourselves in that way and kind of- Absolutely. And I think a lot of times too that, oh my gosh, it's just like my employee. (laughs) People (laughs) overthink things, they overthink things. Don't overthink it, just do it. You know, like Nike says, just do it. And, you know, I got a bunch of things that I'm, that I'm working on right now that I've never done before. And if I really start to think about it, it's going to scare the, it's going to scare me. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think about, you know, I don't think about the how to or doing it. I think about the end game, what it's going to mean, 
Yes. You know, the outcome. I think yeah. about the outcome. I focus on the outcome. I don't focus on the pain. Yeah, um, exactly it. And I think the, the fixation of the what if, let's turn that around. What if it's, it's an amazing thing. This is the, the most amazing thing that ever happens to me rather than the what if. And then the fear relates, um, the fear that stops us in that way. So, yep. and I always look at as, well, what if I didn't do it? Exactly. That yeah. too. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your time and your energy and your knowledge with us. I absolutely enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Well, what if you don't do it? I don't think you want to ask yourself this question 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Um, might as well just do it. Empowered you, empowers others. I wish you love, abundance, and prosperity. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with the tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.